Welcome to X Chateau. X Chateau. The podcast that navigates the business of wine with unique perspectives and insights. With your host, Robert Vernick and Peter Young. Welcome to this episode of X Chateau. I'm your host, Robert Vernick. And co host, Peter Young. So, in this episode, we're in the midst of a pandemic of the coronavirus. And we're at the end of April here as we're recording. And we wanted to give our initial takes on the impact to the wine industry of the coronavirus. 2020 actually started off with a very different uh, predicament, Peter. Yeah, 2020 was supposed to be the year of tariff disruptions, the slowing of the U.S. wine market. But things changed dramatically in mid-March. There's still uh, tariffs on certain wines. We were looking at 100% tariffs from the EU but we still have 25% for 14% alcohol and under that in the background, destroying a lot of the market in France and uh, in in Europe in general. And the world is largely sheltered in place and and shut down. Things are starting to lift a little bit, but uh, it's may stick around for a while and the impacts have been pretty big. Yeah. I mean, people are getting sick all over the world and, you know, without being able to go out and use goods, you know, the oil prices have tanked, the stock market is in bear market territory, and at least for the U.S., unemployment has risen a ton. And people may not spend as much money as they did on wine. And if you remember back in 2008, there was definitely a substantial deficit or substantial impact to the wine industry, especially on the premium side, when we went into a recession. Yeah, people are trading down, especially the high-end wine market tends to be a function of net wealth. And when net wealth goes down or when it goes up, the wine market, the average price per bottle follows that. So we could be seeing a period of slightly declining sales at the higher end and people trading down a bit. And so the rampant unemployment has definitely impacted a lot of hourly workers who are probably not buying one at the high end. There's a looming uncertainty because we cannot predict how long that this will happen. It's really out of most companies' governments' control. There's nothing to say that this won't even resurge again in the winter or fall. Yeah, and restaurants right now, many of them are closed in metro areas or they're only available for takeout and delivery. Some people think 30% of restaurants could close for good. A lot of these are small businesses. Maybe they have access to some of the small business loans that are meant to be grants at some point. Maybe not. SF Chronicle here locally in the Bay Area has been tracking restaurant closures, and there's only been about 20 so far that have been permanent, but we're in shelter in place through, through May, so another month that's going on. We'll see what happens after that. Yeah, it's sad because a lot of what makes cities like New York or San Francisco or Chicago really great is their mom and pop or small restaurants on the low end as well as on the high end. And for to lose a large portion of those potentially in the coming year, that's that's really sad. But also that's where some of the best wine experiences happen is in these dinings where other people are focusing in on either a certain type of wine from a certain region, a certain country. And I think that's a major loss for our industry as well bigger corporations can afford to take the hit where the smaller mom and pop ones can't. And, and I, you know, you hope that the government subsidies and, and, and debt relief that's coming will be able to help the small mom and pop businesses. But it doesn't appear that that's exactly where the initial money is going to. And especially for wine, 
a lot of these small mom and pops, a lot of the higher end restaurants, especially in the metro cities, are where wine consumers tend to get new experiences and try new wines. It's also where a lot of wine brands are at the high end are relying on restaurants who have sommeliers to curate lists and tell some of their brand stories and market their wines and get people to try them. So, you know, I, I had a friend in San Francisco who was asking me like, ah, what are good half bottles to buy so that they're not drinking too much at home every night, but they miss going to restaurants and learning about new wines and trying them. And so I, I gave her some recommendations, but that's one thing that the closure of restaurants, not just the direct sales themselves, but also that getting the brand message out for a lot of new brands, getting trial of a lot of new wines out there is, is so important for the wine industry. Well, right, because when we switch into retail, the major distributors control that shelf space at the big box retailers. And for mom and pop wineries, they have to go through restaurants and smaller venues and smaller boutique shops. But again, we're talking about deeper pockets and you look at retail, like wine sales are clearly up. Anybody who's prepared to do you know orders by phone, or more importantly, orders online is doing pretty well in terms of retail business. And as well as people buying when they have to go to the grocery store. It is part of their weekly rations uh, when they go out to brave and survive uh, the lines at a restaurant. And with the social distancing, that can be quite long. They're picking up alcohol. And it looks like the from the data we've seen that it's wine and spirits, not so much beer. Wineries that sell primarily through grocery stores and take, for example, the major conglomerate Constellation Brands that owns a bunch of different wineries, as well as the U.S. distribution for Corona and Modelo beer. They are killing it because they were 85% grocery stores are off premise. And so their direct consumer business is pretty small. Their restaurant business wasn't as big. And so the huge bump in grocery stores has really made up for it. Then there's like little things like delivery, like Drizzly is seeing four times the growth it saw before. And so that people are now discovering that they can buy wine online and have it delivered. And some of the regulations that the states and federal government have around wine delivery have also been relaxed in this time. So you don't necessarily have to have a signature for delivery and all these things. Not to mention most of us or all of us are home so we can take delivery of wine and we don't have to drag it home either in our car or worse, public transit and commute from work. And I know of wine retailers that are, you know, you can order and drive by and pick up and pop the trunk and someone will come up and drop your bottles with a mask on and put them into your trunk so they can drive off without actually having to have contact with anyone. And so that's one thing. And then a lot of cities, this is more for cities than rural areas. There is delivery, same day delivery, which is just as good as going without having to deal with a line or putting on a mask. Obviously, you have to still make sure that the products you're bringing into your house are clean. So in terms of specialty stores, so what does it mean for them? Because a lot of the specialty stores, they rely on much like a restaurant does in terms of that hand sale where they're actually explaining what their inventory is. And they know the producers that they're bringing. They work with a lot of boutique importers and distributors, and they're they're curating a list for their local market that is often going to be foot traffic or it's an experience. You go to the retailer and they say, hey, what are you looking for? And you, you, know, you talk about price point and talk about what you're into. And, and you get that banter that you don't get when you go to a Safeway or even a Whole Foods. You know, you're getting that specialty customization. Like, how are they adapting to this? Some of them already did some curation and customization through e-commerce for their customers. So they'll take their email list and 
curate specific wines to specific parts of their list, or they're always doing email offers. And right now, that's what drives a lot of their business. And right now, they have the time to put together those email offers together. They don't have to deal with people coming into the store and all that. It's those that were reliant on store traffic that are suffering more now. You think about locations in you know, dining halls or malls or other things like that. Those are the ones that are struggling more today. Right. So in terms of going back to the people who are making the product, going into wineries, what does it mean for them now that tasting rooms are closed, which is a major source of revenue as well as engagement for their brand? Yeah, Silicon Valley Bank, they estimate that, and they get financials for a lot of different wineries, so it's probably pretty accurate, that 30% of most of their wineries' business comes from the tasting room or hospitality in the winery. And so you have that 30% reduction in sales right off the bat. Plus, that's one of the key areas where people come in to the winery to either join the wine club or the mailing list and discover the wines, try the wines, understand what they like and what they don't like, and the driver of future purchases going on. So not having that huge marketing channel is a huge letdown for a lot of wineries, especially smaller wineries that are more reliant on direct sales than the bigger ones that are selling through distribution. Well, and the ramifications of that is substantial because if your strategy is to get someone in, give them a great experience, give them to sign up for a wine club, it's not just that initial hit even for this year in terms of financials. It's actually that lifetime value of that consumer that you're essentially losing. And, and so you hope you build upon that because, you know, you have people who drop off and unsubscribe from the clubs, but you need to be always adding to it and growing it. And right now you're going to start to see multi-year impact potentially by having a, a large period of time, whether it's a month or two months or up to a year where we don't have new people coming into the wine club because they don't have that foot traffic as the winery destination. So that I don't know that anybody's doing the calculations of what that would look like in terms of the lifetime value. And even more so than restaurants or retail stores where other people can get exposure to your wines and from the winery, when you're at the winery, that's where you're going to get the best communication of your brand message, right? And get that into people's heads get that experience locked down and hopefully the key messages that they'll be taking and sharing with their friends as well. Right. It's not just the wine. It's the whole experience, the the visuals, the little food pairing that they give with it. It's the entire ambiance that they're well, creating. And more importantly, it's the brand message, right? It's what the brands are communicating as what makes them different, right? If they're good at doing what they do, it could be the relationship with the owners, but it's also, or the founders for really small wineries, but it's also just, even for big wineries, communicating that brand message, what makes this wine special, what makes it unique, what makes the brand different from all the 10,000 other brands in the U.S. or hundreds of thousands globally, right? So that people now have that ingrained in their mind and think highly of it, even if they see it at the grocery store or you know at a retail store and are more likely to pick it off the shelf. Yeah. And, you know, looking at what the wineries are doing to sort of extend their brand in this shelter in place kind of lockdown situation. And you're seeing this globally, not just in the U.S. You're seeing virtual happy hours, whether that's for bloggers or, or influencers, but also from the wineries themselves or even famous people that are partnering with. I know I saw some famous people that were partnering with Wine.com to do some tastings with people. It's quite interesting how a fairly traditional industry is now being forced in the face of a pandemic to innovate about how they extend their brand 
out into the world without having the experience of here, come taste my wine and try this and see what you like, or come and visit my winery and, and get this experience. And so now they're, they're really having to think differently. It's interesting to watch, and it will be interesting to watch this uh, innovation. Having done a few virtual tastings and stuff like that with uh, various wineries over the last month, I don't think the world needs you know, 15 happy hours going on simultaneously where we're just it's a taste along and we're all getting drunk over Zoom or Instagram Live. But it is an opportunity to educate and and broaden and, and sort of, you know, cross pollinate across different user groups to bring in and create awareness for everybody. So I do it because it helps create awareness from from my blog and what I talk about. But then the winery also gains that from me at the same time. And it really becomes an interesting synergy if you can do it right and actually have a good educational or interesting topic, it doesn't always have to be educational. That's the focus that I take on it. And, and so it varies greatly. You're just looking to uh, get drunk at four in the afternoon, I'm sure, off, off wine samples that people send you. I think that's mostly what it is. Hey, that's not a little judgy there. <laughs> but and I think... I think the key is that people are experimenting and need to try different things. Sometimes the wine industry has the notion or has the penchant for just doing the same thing, following the crowd. And so we see virtual tastings that look exactly the same for, you know, a hundred different brands. Right. And so, and it's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad, but there's just so many other things you could do. Think about how you get more interactive. Think about what's truly authentic for your brand. I actually just saw today a video of Jordan Winery putting out a sort of like a skit. Uh, it was a parody on Saturday Night Live with a Zoom call, right, to prepare for like another Zoom event in lieu of their like big release event. And, you know, it was actually kind of funny. A Zoom inside of a Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they had, you know, people acting, doing different things, someone in the field with goats and then people in the kitchen and just like making out and doing funny things. Right. And, but I thought that was a, a different take and, and something that's good because you need to, you need to get something different. But the good thing is without a lot of media, there's no live sports, you know, broadcast TV or production TV is sort of all on hold for now. People are going to be hungry for content. Maybe why we're doing this blog, but <laughs> you know, so like, there's an opportunity to develop a lot of winery specific content that people will want because there's just a, a lack of other content out there. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, just a, a TV or YouTube channels, the content is going to be driven by the personalities and the people. And I think that's where production value does matter, but it also having someone who is can speak to their brand and be charming and find their own bent because, it, you know, there are different types of consumers who are looking for different things. And some people are just looking to, you know, pound a bunch of rosé and do it with a whole bunch of people on a Zoom call where all the people are want to know about, hey, how are you farming in your vineyard or how are you doing with your production as you're dealing with this shelter in place and the different rules that are being enforced by the states or countries for this lockdown. And right now is actually a great time for wine brands to try and invest in some social media because usage is up, right? The people are at home. They're staring at their phones more on uh, social media a lot more. And a lot of big businesses are pulling back from advertising because their business is down. They're trying to cut costs. So they're pulling back on ads, especially in the travel world, 
right? Travel, events, all that thing. And so the cost of advertising on social is flat to maybe down a little. Facebook and Google's earnings look a little bit down, but it's holding up. So there's an opportunity for brands to to make this investment and, and try it out and see if it works or not for them. Yeah, I mean, definitely the bad news is that this is not going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, even if shelter in place lifts, I think it's going to it's going to have a longer term impact because we're going to have to until we get a vaccine in place, which is probably 12 to 18 months away from when we're recording this. And so until that's in place, there's a chance that there could be another a resurgence of coronavirus. And a lot of us have elderly and we don't want to jeopardize everybody's health. So I think we'll start phasing things back. So I think we'll see social distancing play and be lasting and play a bigger part of our lives for at least the next 12 to 18 months. But I think for wineries that are not doing something serious or experimenting, they should they should start to learn about how to do it because we don't know. We cannot predict when this is going to end. And that means there's going to be a new normal right? They talk about the new normal. There's a phase back in, but even when we get all the way back in, it's a new normal until there's a vaccine that's widely distributed out, right? And that new normal may mean no packed tasting rooms like there used to be, no huge events where you're pouring wine and doing all that like there used to be. All that is going to need to create a change in how everyone thinks about how they're selling wine, whether that's a retailer, a distributor, or a producer. One of the good things is that wine consumption is up a little bit. It was kind of flatlining prior to the crisis, but you know, people people are stressed out and need a drink. I can definitely say that my consumption is up. Part of it is that people keep sending me wine, so I feel obligated to <laughs> drink it and share my thoughts on them. I was collecting a bunch of bottles, uh, dead soldiers, uh, to figure out how, how much I would have in the quarantine, but it was getting too big, so I had to start recycling it. My living soldiers are actually the problem. I keep getting yelled at by my wife because uh, every day, basically, someone, two or three people knock on the door and are dropping off a package full of wine. And she's like, more? And I'm like, <laughs> I can't help it. So, you know, I think the other thing is, I think that this is forcing the industry to innovate. I think it's good for the industry long-term, obviously health reasons aside, like I think it's good to shake up this industry and there will be some things that stick. And, you know, I don't know that people are going to always have as much wine delivery as once we get back to retail, because people may not, won't be at home as often as they are now. The way that they communicate with their consumers could fundamentally be changed by technology and this overall situation. Yeah, figuring out digital and social wineries needed to do it. They were kind of tipping their toes in a little bit, but the wine industry was very behind, five or 10 years behind maybe the rest of the world. And so this is forcing them to to catch up. And one of the keys to that is learning how to connect with consumers outside the winery or retail store and figuring out how to engage with them, get them interested in their wines. One of the challenges of that is wine trial. So not having the ability to taste the wine. So trying to figure that out or make that work, maybe with some preservation techniques like Corvin or Repor. Or little mini bottles. Or smaller bottle sizes. So, I mean, some of the keys that wineries need to figure out is wine trial because People like to try it before they buy it. How do they get their brand message across without having that trained educator teaching them that or telling people about it? And they could do that virtually, perhaps, and making it easy for them to have access to the wines, whether it's to buy it or to sign up for the mailing list or the wine club. Those, All those need to be figured out in the context of the new normal and the new world and hopefully experimented on to try new things to see what works and sticks for, for your particular brand or store. 
What I'm hoping everybody's taking moving to e-commerce very, very seriously at this point. If you're not doing something, if you didn't have a store, like there's so many tools out there that can help a winery get set up very quickly. And people don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars to get a website going. Obviously, for hundreds of dollars, you could get something together and get it out there, get it out to your mailing list, get it out to word of mouth, post on your own personal Facebook page. It doesn't matter. Like you can figure it away, grassroots to build up your brand in a digital world and figure out how to do digital sales. And again, as you said, the laws are relaxing greatly in this critical time. And there's a huge encouragement for wineries and brands to take this seriously and start to delve in whole hog into e-commerce because we're probably going to be in this situation for a while. So I think there's a lot of goods and I think that this will pay off for those who take it seriously and don't just try to weather the storm. Right. And just just on that e-commerce point, there is a compliance piece to it. So you do want to have a wine e-commerce system that you know integrates with ship compliant or other things so yes. that you're paying your taxes and all that so so you don't get in trouble later but there's lots of them out there whether well, that's, there's delivery uh, services that will help with that as well like there's there's lots of ways mm-hmm. to let people know how they can purchase and then you can even use your point of sale system from the winery potentially to do that there's a lot of ways to like do some hacky solutions to get something going but doing nothing is is not intelligent at this point. And you have to realize that you're going to be forced to adapt to the new normal. And if you don't, you're probably in a lot of financial trouble. So please adapt. Thanks for joining us. If you loved this episode of X Chateau, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.